Christmas travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Happy holidays, everybody. We're so excited to bring you this uh, seasonal episode, and we hope you have a holly day. Get it? Holly? Because we're talking about the Holly King. <laughs> <laughs> genius. Genius. <laughs> uh, so... If you've been following us on Twitter or Mastodon, then you will know that today we will be bringing you the well-known but not well-known legend of the Holly King and the Oak King. When I first started researching for this episode, I found tons of references to this epic, eternal battle between the two kings, but there was no real actual story tied to it aside from defeating um, one another during the winter and the summer solstices. There were, however, many references to the story as a Celtic, Druidic legend, a Wiccan story, and later on a famous medieval tale, and a key part of tapestries. In our search, we also came across some interesting modern takes on this story, such as one by Erica Barron, connecting the story to climate change, and another child-friendly one by Carol Plain. So... We've done what we haven't really done before, and we've taken many versions of this story and created a Yuletide tale out of them to share with you this holiday season. So without further ado, here is our patchwork story of the Oak King and the Holly King. Marking our quickest transition from part one to the story. Yay! Well, there's not much to say about where this story is from. It's just everywhere. Does that make it a successful legend in that way that so many people know about it, but you can't really trace it? Because that's a lot of what legends are, right? Yeah, I think it's honestly um, a really fun one to do because of the fact that there's lots of different legends relating to it. And everyone seems to have a different take about when they fight, when the battles are, when they're at their strongest, when at their weakest. Um, if they like each other, if they hate each other, if they die, if they don't die. So it seems like so many different aspects of this are under question. But the main element of one is winter, one is summer, um, and they kind of duel it out seems to be the same. Mm. Either they duel it out, you know, physically or verbally. And in some cases, they fight over a woman or a goddess. But I haven't actually found any original sources relating to this mysterious woman they're fighting over. Um, so I've opted out of including that in our Patrick version. But I will be linking all of the different versions in the blog post so you can check out all the different ones and maybe even make your own. Yeah, my question is, is there any version where they, instead of fight each other, they just have like rap battles and then like they perish if they don't win? <laughs> Well, listen, if Epic Rap Battles of History wants to take on the Holly King and the Oak King, I will be thrilled. Oh my gosh, I'll be for it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Long ago, before there were men or seasons or any real concept of time, two brothers were born. One brother was bright and cheery, and everywhere he went, flowers blossomed, birds sang, and the sun shone a little bit brighter. He was like a Disney princess before a Disney princess was a thing. He wore the crown of oak, a tree that was known for its strength, beauty, and noble presence. His twin brother, while equally as cheery, knew that every light needed darkness, and so with him came the darkness and slumber. Trees would lose their leaves in preparation for his cold spells, and the animals would hide away in the warmth of their burrows and dens. 
he took for his crown the evergreen holly, which persisted despite the cold. Both brothers ruled in harmony, although they did quarrel from time to time about the need for more light or more darkness. So, we have two kings clearly have domain over, like, not people, but they, like, kind of rule over ideas, more or less. They, one brings warmth, one brings, like, the cold. Mm-hmm. But can we really call them kings? Because kings usually have kingdoms and they have, like, people to rule and there's politics involved. But these sound like just two guys. And they were like, yo, what if we were just both kings and there's no one here to argue with us? <laughs> well, I think they're called kings, um, maybe due to later parts of the story. I feel like that's an added addition to it. The Holly King and the Oak King, because in some versions they're gods. So it was the god of life who had kind of an oak crown and then the god of darkness who had a holly crown um in others there is no real concept of kings or ownership but then in one version that i did find there is the idea they own kingdoms the holly king has his own kind of kingdom in the north where him and his wife um rule kind of over the land then there is the land to the south which is the oak king's kingdom And they're still brothers, but they're actual kings who have this kind of power, I guess. I like the term Oak King and Holly King, so I've adopted it kind of into our tale. Fair. But I think it's more so king because they have a crown and they have power. Mm. And less so because they they have actual kingdoms at this point. It's also, I guess, easier to refer to them as the Oak King and the Holly King, but they did have other names. So the Oak King in particular is often linked with the Green Man of the Woods, the Wild Man, in some cases Pan. So this is just the title we're choosing to use, and this is the title they're most famously known for. I don't know if there's any other titles that they go by, and they might have gone by, specifically with the Celts and with the Druids. So what I'm hearing is... If I were a crown, would you refer to me as Queen Sparrow? (laughs) No. (laughs) Dang it. Unless there were, you know, hundreds of years of legends about a famous Queen Sparrow. (laughs) All right, everyone, get on it. I need to be get that queen title, um, and I was not born into it, so if we can just start making hundreds of years of legends about me, that'd be great. Thanks. Well, a lot of this story is hearsay, right? So we don't really know the entirety of the original tale. And that's what I kind of like about this story. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of make-believe here. Someone added a line here. Someone decided that they hated each other. And as time went on, people decided there was no real original source to this tale. And no one tried to claim that they have the original source. But they do try and track it and see where it appeared in books and where it appeared in art. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's always existed in some capacity throughout the Middle Ages and then even before that, but there's no one specific point of this is where this story came from by these people in this year. You can tell clearly from this artwork. And I feel like we spend so much time trying to find the origins of stuff and trying to be really true to where things came from. That it's nice just to have one where we have a little bit more freedom to talk about the different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So... No one knows what caused the rift between the two brothers. Some say it was a beautiful goddess that loved them both. Others say the creation and rise of mankind drove the brothers to quarrel and separate into kingdoms. Whatever the reason, each day the brothers overstepped, testing the bounds of their range. 
Men, of course, love the bright sunny days and long to stay in the court of the Oak King. They lent their support to the Oak King and over time he grew more powerful than his brother. He was their fertility god, their green man of the woods. The Holly King, unsupported and alone, fled the lands for some time and the world was left in an unbroken summer. Over time, the people in the Oak King's court grew weary without death and darkness. The plants whose bloom was once celebrated became commonplace. The eternal cycle of life and death had been broken, and the Oak King was weak without rest. I hear that. (laughs) Ben, I feel it too. Need some rest. Too much of a good thing. There must be a balance to the force. There must be a balance. And I feel like every time these folk tales appear, these fairy tales appear, there's always some kind of balance between good and evil, light and dark. Um, And in this case, we're not specifically saying the Holly King is evil, although some versions of the legend do, you know, compare him to an evil old man who's older than his brother and he wants death and destruction. Mm -hmm. Um, But here it's more so that he understands the need for darkness. He understands the balance that's required. The Holly King watched from afar, and one day he returned. The two brothers fought a deadly battle for the crown. Tired and spent from keeping the world green, the Oak King fell and his crown was passed on to the Holly King, who brought a steady death and decay to the lands as he blanketed the world in quiet snow. The days grew shorter so the people and animals were able to rest at last. All the trees lost their leaves except for the pine and the holly trees, which reigned supreme in the barren landscape. Some say the Holly King did not actually kill his brother, but put him to rest, and the battle was a plot between the two of them to ensure the changing of the seasons without meddling from humans. Others say he had grown cold in his exile and slew his brother where he stood without mercy. Either way, during the winter solstice, or Yule, when the Holly King was at the height of his power, he was surprised to see his brother alive and well. The Oak King had risen once more, and after a raging battle, he emerged victorious. The Holly King had been defeated, and the Oak King went to work bringing spring and life back to the world. From then on, each year, when the other was at its strongest, the Oak King or the Holly King would emerge to battle for the crown. You might be asking yourself, why would they choose the night when the other was at its strongest to battle? Surely the Oak King would be defeated at Yule when he was at his weakest, and the Holly King during Midsummer when he was at his weakest. Now some legends do actually shift to change the time of the battles, but Sir James George Fraser has the best example that I could find of why this happens when they're at their strongest. In his book, The Golden Bow, he writes that despite being at the height of their power, their death indicates the beginning of their failing strength, and that it is time for a new king. And so the wheel of the year is half dark and half light. For half the year, the Oak King brings life and fertility to the world before losing the battle to the Holly King, who sets to work bringing about fall and winter. Wow. That is the story of the Holly King and the Oak King. I have never heard of this story before, to be quite honest. I've been very familiar, like, with the dichotomy between um, light and darkness Mm -hmm. or, like, the changing the seasons. In the past, we covered Hades and Persephone tale, which does, mm-hmm. for the Grecians, uh, explain the, the changing of the seasons for that. So I'm familiar with the idea, but this is new for me, this story. 
I mean, a lot of different cultures, the Irish, even in Mesopotamian culture, there is a story of kind of a woman who represents fertility being taken into the darker underworld to represent kind of the beginning of winter and fall. And to me, like, that's also one of the more popular ones, a changing of the seasons due to the kidnapping of a fertility goddess or a fertility um, princess. But this one, I think, was a little bit more balanced for me. Mm -hmm. Um, The Oak King and the Holly King are both strong characters. And in some cases, they're even described as the same person who just transforms. So (laughs) half the year, he's... Well, it's it's very different. And we'll go into the Five Fantastic Finds when we talk about the different inspirations. But there also is kind of this belief that the Oak King and the Holly King are the same god. Um, who just transforms into one of them or the other during what's needed for the year. But I really like the different kind of changing of the seasons stories because they are always so interesting to read, Um, specifically this one, because this one I've never seen before as well. I've heard about ones where, you know, there is a god or goddess who fights a battle in order to become kind of the ruling one for the year. But having them be kings and brothers, I feel like that's always really interesting. And also, it just sounds really cool, the Oak King and the Holly King. The other thing about it is, like, normally they have these names that are, like, opposed to each other, like Sun and Moon or whatever, like, things. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know anything off the top of my head of, like, how Oak and Holly are connected. Like, I understood what you said with the Holly, like, it's green all year round, so that kind of makes sense. But, like, where did Oak come into play in this? So oak is actually a really important plant, not just in Ireland and to the Celts. It was also really important in England and Scotland. And so the oak tree is one of, I guess, one of the most resilient trees. It was also considered a tree of wisdom. And it reigned supreme because it was kind of taller than all the other trees. And it's so durable. So the oak kind of became synonymous with wisdom and nobility. And then even later on in history, we see emperors and kings wearing oak crowns or having stuff made out of oak specifically because it was a noble wood and then holly is evergreen and it was also kind of an important wood for them because it was everlasting almost it was evergreen so it was always there even when the winter time was at its strongest you always had holly oak trees as much as they are these noble great trees they are deciduous so they do lose their leaves in the fall and so to that aspect, they, no matter how great and noble they are, there's always that kind of metaphor of greatness being culpable to failing as well. And so even in the fall, when we see the oak leaves, its leaves, the evergreen, the holly, the pine, they always remain green. And so that's where the contrast comes from, I think, that there is still life mm. in the holly king's reign. It's not just about death. It's not just the Holly King is a bad king who wants everything destroyed because he does offer rest for the Oak King. He does offer a world where the plants and the animals can kind of take a break and the world is quiet and the nights are longer. So there's more slumber and supposedly more rest. But we all know how holiday seasons are. And so I think it's about the fact that it's not just bad and evil and death. There's still some life there and it's essential for life. Yeah, we need rest to enjoy and do the work that we need to do the next day. So it's like a very good 
balance that's very true for human nature, but it's something we often overlook. But the one thing for me is that when I was in school, our school mascot was, well, we were like the Mighty Oaks. <laughs> so when I hear, hear the story, I think of this very cool looking like guy with like the holly crown and everything, very intense, very Jack Frost kind of dark look <laughs> to him. But on the other side, when I hear the Oak King, all I can picture is our school mascot running around in a big, stupid <laughs> oak leaf going, yeah, <laughs> having little room to run and has their hands, just just the hands sticking out so they don't arm movement, but trying to go and tackle this Holly King. So that's the image wow. going on in my head. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> it's like very epic guy kid in a mascot costume these are the these are the kings that i'm picturing i don't know about the mighty oaks and your experience with mascots and people in costumes but some of the pictures of the oak king are so cool like they they just picked him as having you know leaves on his face and he's got this mighty crown and he just looks like a really happy santa claus um because some of the tales some of the pictures and depictions that people have online that we've seen in some art forms they just look really jolly, both of them, which I think is a really key part to the story that instead of just characterizing the Holly King as this big bad, this like, you know, demon, this creepy guy, he's also cheery. He's also, you know, having a great time. It's just he believes that there is a great time to be had in winter. Winter is pretty great. I'm pretty happy it's the yes. winter time now. <laughs> I love winter as well. So I'm on team Holly King. But we need a balance, right? You can't have one without the other. It'd be like really sad to never have the summer and then also to never have winter although i do know that some places around the world you know they don't they're not as seasonal mm -hmm. um and so it's a lot harder for them to understand the concept of you know in fall and winter for us it's always cold like that's the standard and then spring and summer are always hot but this was obviously a story that was inspired by celtic tales so it was somewhere that did have four seasons so it'd be interesting to see what um, some of these seasonal stories would look like in a place where there aren't, there isn't really that big of a shift between seasons. It's true. And I think we should look into those next year when we look into more seasonal tales. And the other thing you kind of mentioned briefly earlier when you're kind of talking about the story was that, and we can see it very obviously now, the correlation, the idea of the Holly King and the Oak King fighting. Um, and how the Oak King was getting steadily stronger. And like that really reflects our current day in terms of thinking of climate change and how the mm -hmm. earth is getting hotter. And that's a real concern for us. It's a really good embodiment of that metaphor. It is. And I think when I read this story, I was like, oh my God, this can't be the original because this is so tied into our current times. And then I did find out it was a more modern take on it to relate it to climate change. And the story on its very basic premise is quite similar to the beginning of ours. But in terms of mankind, mankind went further and they enjoyed the light so much that they created light in their own homes and they went so far that there was light everywhere and it was so bright and this had a very, I guess, strong impact on migratory birds, on ice caps. Um, on animals not really knowing the cycle was completely off whack because there was too much sun and it was too bright. Um, and then the Holly King had to kind of step in and help his brother. So the Holly King realized that his brother was not dying, but struggling. Intervention, intervention. 
yeah so he needed to intervene he needed to do something and so he goes to his brother and they kind of have a really sweet moment and they you know they realize that they need a balance there needs to be rest and darkness and there needs to be joy and brightness and they both can happen at the same time and so they decide to take turns so that there's never too much of one or the other Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a story written by erica baron and that will also be linked in our blog post so be sure to check that out because i think it's so lovely to see these ancient kind of legends and stories take a new form that's applicable to modern times yeah it's it's amazing we've been dealing with a lot of struggles over the years as human beings and sometimes those Mm kind of come back around where they're still relevant even though they're so such old ideas um so yeah i think it's really fun seeing how much things change but yet how things just stay the same and we can see that a lot in these stories when looking at humans and how we live Yes, I mean, history does tend to repeat itself through different cycles or different ways. And I think this is just one of those ways that we learn that too much of something, um, whether it be something like summer or sunlight, even that can have an effect on things that we don't necessarily think about. While the Holly King and the Oak King are always in their internal cycle of light and darkness, Fox and I are an internal cycle of the story and our five fantastic finds, so we're going to go on over to that now. (laughs) Number one. Sometimes the Holly King is seen as one of the earliest versions of Father Christmas, which is also another term for Santa Claus. And this seems kind of crazy to me, because Santa is supposed to be a big, jolly guy who wears red, lives at the North Pole, drinks Coca-Cola, and has an army of elves to build toys for all the good little children, not a self-proclaimed king with leaves for a crown. Of course, commercialization might have colored my view a little, but I think a better way to approach this disconnect is that Santa Claus is just the newest version of Father Christmas. Starting around the 15th and 16th century, people started personifying Christmas as King Christmas or Prince Christmas, and at this point, The figure was mostly just for adults. The personification encouraged drinking, merriment, and feasting. And it is only in the mid-17th century when we first hear the term Father Christmas. At this point, this character is now being used to try and tell people that maybe enjoying things more in moderation is the better route. And coincidence or not, Father Christmas declined in popularity during the 18th century. Guess people didn't love the moderation idea. But don't worry, if Hollywood has taught me anything, it's that reboots are inevitable. So, sure enough, in the 19th century, Father Christmas became the embodiment of good cheer, and soon after, Santa Claus entered the scene. Soon enough, the gift-giving aspect is added to the character, and his image softens to a jolly old man as described in Clement Clark Moore's poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, which we covered in a previous episode. All that to say, the personification of Christmas has greatly developed over the centuries. While we can see some similarities between the Holly King and Santa Claus, it's amazing to see how this legend has continued to evolve over the years. Number two. The Oak King is a symbol of rebirth, fertility, and life, but he is not the only one. There are many stories of men who are symbols of fertility, including the Green Man and the Wild Man of the Woods. The Green Man has often been associated with the Oak King and is depicted as a man's face peering out of dense foliage with leaves and twigs as part of his face. 
Mike Harding's book, The Little Book of the Green Man, looks at the green man's sculptures and art from all over the world, including Iraq and Lebanon from as early as the 2nd century. It is hard to say what exactly this foliage head's purpose was, aside from decorative, but its prevalent nature does hint at something greater than just a nice piece of art. Modern connections between the Oak King and the Green Man include connections to Peter Pan, Robin Hood, Lord of the Rings' Tom Bombadil, and the Ents, Pan, and Dionysus, as well as the Green Knight from Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. John Williamson also examines the resurgence of the two figures in the Renaissance as well as the medieval period in his book The Oak King, The Holly King, and The Unicorn, The Myths and Symbolism of the Unicorn Tapestry. Number three. You know, the Oak and the Holly King are pretty cool in my books, and it's not because they were in a perpetual fight for the forces of light and darkness. No, they are cool because they are bird people. How do I know they are bird people? Their animal symbols are the robin and the wren, respectively. Sure, it's possible that they didn't choose these symbols themselves, but in my headcanon, they did, and they are bird people. Okay, seriously, all jokes aside, why the wren and the robin? Well, there are a few possible reasons for the correlation, but it's really impossible to say for certain what is the exact explanation. Now, during the winter solstice, the Oak King kills the Holly King. Coincidentally, December 26th is Wren Day, a day where boys go out to hunt Wren. When they find one, they shoot it and then place it atop a decorative pole. This day is observed in Ireland and other European countries. Now, there are a lot of explanations as to why Wren. Why do people hunt down Wren specifically? Some stories say that the Wren is hunted because the Wren made a lot of noise one night and awoke enemy soldiers while the Irish were ambushing them. And to this day, people are still getting revenge on that bird. Other stories suggest that the wren simply represent the past year, and it must be killed in order to make way for the new year, which, coincidentally, is represented by the robin. Which brings us back to the Oak King symbol being the robin, which also happens to be representing the new year. So whether the birds were always connected to these two kings, or if they came after the fact, at the end of the day, they are both representative of the changing of seasons, just like the oak and the holly king. Number four. When you begin looking up the origins of this legend, there are lots of references to Celtic stories, but as goes with most old legends and myths, we could not find a direct source or one direct tale. Instead, the role of the two kings seems to come from their conflicting natures and their evident role in the Wheel of Time. The mighty and wise oak changes color and falls while holly prevails all year round and is center stage during the winter months. Both plants were very important to the Celts, however, there is also a case for the legend having Wiccan roots. In Janet and Stuart Farrar's 1981 book, A Witch's Bible, they write about the twins and their sacrificial mating with the Great Mother. The mating ritual for the Oak King is on Bellatine and the Holly King mates on Lunasa. They also make a case for the twins to be personifications of light and dark as two sides of the horned god. Regardless of where this legend came from, it is cool to see how it's been evolved and taken on by so many different cultures and religions, and to also see how people have been taking the stories and making them their own through their own storytelling efforts just like us. Number five. I grew up with two older siblings, an older brother and an older sister, and we usually got along splendidly. That is, until we broke out a game of cards or we started playing Mario Kart. Suddenly, all bets were off as we competed against one another in the hopes of winning. Of course, being the youngest, I would rarely win, but that never stopped me from trying my hardest to one-up them. 
While we may not fight each other for ultimate control every year, I can sympathize with the sibling rivalry the Holly King and the Oak King have going on. And I'm not the only one. The sibling rivalry trope is a very common because it's so relatable. Take Ross and Monica from the Friends television series. They will often gloat about their successes and remind the other of their past failures, all attempts to get that one up. Like that time they started telling their parents each other's secrets in an attempt to get even with the other. Ross tells them that Hurricane Gloria didn't break the porch swing, Monica did. To which Monica returns the favor by telling them that Ross had been on leave from his job for the past year. Ouch. While they never end up fighting to the death like the Holly and the Oak King, they do stay out all night in the cold fighting over football in order to win the coveted Geller Cup. So that's it for us for 2022. We will see you guys after the holidays in January, where Sparrow and I will be tackling some little folklore and fable stories on solo adventures in the Enchanted Forest. If you do want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter or Mastodon at Tales from the Enchanted Forest. Or if you are old school like Sparrow, you can always email us at talesfromtheenchantedforest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions for the new year, so please don't hesitate to share. And remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. Mm-hmm.